Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Howdy Faith Church, glad you're with us today, joining us online, we're glad you're here on campus. Why do you come to church? You have better things to do than this. Right? Isn't there brunch to have? Like, why are you here? And I was thinking about, just before I got up, I'm like, why do we go to church? And, and just want to share just this little sidebar. It has nothing to do with actually what the text is today, but I think it has to do with you and me. Like, have you ever got to a point where you just feel like you're out of gas? Like, the way the world works and the way our hearts and lives work, you just, you just lose all hope. You know, you don't come to church to get out of hell. You don't come to church to check a box. You come to church because your hope tank gets really, really, really low. And when you come and gather with the people of God, God wants to fill your tank, your heart, with hope. That despite what's happening in your life, there's a God who loves you. There's a community of people like you from all different walks of life who also run out of gas and who need just a little bit of encouragement. And so if you miss church for weeks or months, it's okay. Your tank just gets emptier, 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 emptier. Just fill it up. The Spirit of the living God wants to fill your heart today with hope so that you can find and follow Jesus. So have you, when was the last time you thought, boy, the person I'm following in life is a real jerk? You know, this is sort of a transition. Here we go. The person that I work for is an absolute jerk. Have you ever had that experience? Like, have you ever looked at someone that you have to listen to and go, how did this dirtbag get any authority? Like, they're incompetent, they're narcissistic, they're egocentric. How could this person be the person that I'm supposed to follow? How could this happen? When was the last time you thought, man, I don't think I can follow this politician, this teacher, this counselor, this pastor, this coach, there's just no way. Because in our culture, I will follow someone I respect. But if I don't respect you, I'm not following you and I'm not listening to you. That's how we're sort of raised to think. And so we're surrounded in life by people that don't earn my respect and they don't deserve me following them. But here's what's really hard. As a follower of Jesus Christ, how are we going to be credible Christians when those in authority over us misuse and abuse their power? This is a really practical, important question. We talked about credible Christians. Credible Christians are people that are believable, trustworthy. That if you and I would say, Jesus lived and died and rose again for our sins. And if we would say, Jesus lives inside my heart and forgives me, of my sins, and he lives inside me, and he's going to come one day to judge the world and make everything right and new. If I say that, and I believe that, how do I live in such a way that I'm credible in the midst of a situation and circumstances where leaders are abusing and misusing their power? Because this happens all the time, right? We're in situations and circumstances where we look at somebody and go, you're an absolute jerk. You're incompetent and egocentric, and there's no way I can follow you. And yet, as a follower of Jesus Christ, 
I have responsibility that's bigger and wider than me. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter three, because here's a super practical coaching from the Apostle Paul, how to live in this circumstance in a way that puts on display, Jesus is alive in my heart. And he's going to come back again. And he's going to change everything, and so he's changing me now. Titus chapter three, verse one through eight. Verse one, Paul says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle towards everyone. Remind the people, he's talking to the people of God, to subject themselves to rulers, and did you see this word, obedient? Obedient to people in authority, and this language, in, in the original form, is talking a lot about governmental, political sort of authorities in our lives to be subject and obedient, ready to do whatever is good, to slander, to speak disparagingly, to gossip, to malign the character of a leader, teach them not to slander, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle to the people I respect and like. No, to everyone, to everyone. And so in Paul's teaching as a follower of Jesus, there's no caveats like, wait, 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 you don't know my boss. You don't know my president. You don't know my politician. You don't know my coach. You don't know my mentor. You don't know my pastor. If you knew my situation, you'd say, well, not them. You'd go, no, no, I'm not gonna follow them. I'm not gonna, I, I can gossip against them. I can slander that person. I don't have to obey or something. Paul's like, no, 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 no. Teach them, all of them, to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and there's, there's no caveat. There's no, like, in this situation, you don't have to. In all situations, he says, this is how you live a credible Christian life, putting on display that God's alive inside of you. And all of us look at this and go, no way, right? Like, I, I'm going, I, nah, nah, can't do it, nope. Let me take this page out of the Bible, right? So what I normally think, and if I did, if I was willing to do this, like I don't even know how to do it. And so that's what we're gonna kind of jump into today, sort of really practically, how and why. Ask the question, why would the Bible tell us that we should subject ourselves and obey those in authority? We're gonna answer practically the question of why and then sort of get into the practicality of how. Like, okay, if this is what God says to do and it is his design for us, how do we do that? Because we, we, we need help, right? And so this is really hard when someone is misusing or abusing their authority that we're supposed to still subject ourselves to them. How the heck are we gonna do it? We need God's help, let's pray. Father, please. Your word is alive and active, and you have a design for us as humans in a broken and sinful world. You're not surprised by any circumstance we find ourselves in. And so teach us, Spirit, today. Guide us, comfort us, convict us in all truth. Use this time practically to help your sons and daughters to not only fill our hope tank, but also to teach us how to live in a difficult world in difficult situations especially on situations where we don't respect someone in leadership over us. Guide us, I pray in Christ's name, amen. 
So let's start with three reasons why we should subject ourselves to those in authority and obey them. The first reason is not explicit in this text, but it's sort of a backdrop that Paul would know, his audience would understand, and Titus would understand of all the teaching of the Bible that God has established those in authority over us. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, this is taught. There's lots of passages I could give you. God has established those in authority over us. Romans chapter 13, 1, Paul says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by God to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. In every group of people, there are those who lead and those who follow. That's not an accident, that's God's design. It's ordained system that he's established. That doesn't mean in a robotic way that God picked your boss or your coach. It's not like this predetermined, this is your coach, this is your boss, get over it. It's, it's not that. Instead, he's not surprised by any human authority and he creates situations and circumstances where the world is led by leaders and there are people that follow. If that didn't happen in groups of people, it would be chaotic. And people have certain gifts and abilities and certain people are bestowed an amount of authority and God knows that when he gives humans the choice of leading and using authority, that some are going to use that in a good way for good things, and some are gonna use that for not good, evil things. And he creates this system of choice and gifts and order, and he establishes this for us. And he is sovereign over the both good that comes from those gifts and the misuse of those gifts. That's hard for us to imagine, but our times are in God's hands. He knows us. He knows the injustice and the abuse that we're going to face, and he knows that people are going to abuse his authority, but still is sovereign and strong enough over that to say, even in the worst case situation, I have the ability to bring about my good purposes, even in the midst of evil and injustice, that I can bring good out of all of that, the abuse of power under heaven, even the worst mistreatment God can use. And, and so he says, this is the system I've set up in our world. Subject yourself to authority. Obey those who are over you because this is my design for order. Sometimes that brings things for good. Sometimes it brings for evil. But all of it is under my sovereign eyes and I work all things for the good of those who trust me. And so he designed the universe and he placed order into it and there's no authority except that which God has established. That's sort of the big picture biblical teaching. But this passage specifically gives us something more particular. Verses three through five, Titus three, three through five. He kind of wants us to look up beyond our situation and see a wider angle lens. He says, at one time, so, hey, everyone, I want you to follow leaders. I want you to obey the authority in front of you. And then he switches to personally. He goes, verse three, at one time, you too were foolish. You were disobedient. You deceived and enslaved 
You were all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. So Paul's like, he's looking at our scenarios and situations. He goes, you're, you're living under a difficult misuse or abuse of power or authority. I want you to lift your heads up, sons and daughters of Almighty God. He, he wants to remind us, do you remember who you were? You're an absolute jerk, right? He's, he's reminding us that you were a jerk. The reason that we all behave the way we do is because of sin. It's the sin inside us, the sin we commit, the sin that's been committed towards us. And he says, remember, you were a jerk too before Jesus saved you. He uses eight words. He says, you're foolish. You were disobedient. You were deceived and enslaved, marked by malice and envy. You were hated and hated other people. Remember what a jerk you were and maybe a little bit still. But what happened? You tried to fix yourself. You tried to modify your behavior. You tried a New Year's resolution. You tried to meditate. You tried religion, but you couldn't fix yourself. But verse four, when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. He rescued us, not because we deserved it, but because he was so merciful to sinful, broken, foolish, selfish people. He washed us clean and made us new in the spirit. So here's the second reason why we obey those in authority. God has been merciful to you so that you can show mercy to everyone, including those in authority over you. He rescued you from your selfishness, your brokenness, and he did it so that you could show mercy to other people. He sees people, every person, as created in his image with a soul that will never die, with choices to make, and when we let our sinful choices guide us, they lead us to wrong and evil and abuse. But when we let good things guide us, him guide us, it leads us to good things. He's like, I want to be merciful to everyone, including your dope boss. Like even your dope politicians, I want them to experience mercy and love and the kindness of our Lord Jesus. Some leaders will use their authority for good, some not good, but a credible Christian will submit themselves to God and be merciful to the people in their lives, including those in authority that you don't respect. James chapter three, verse nine says, with our tongue, Christians praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. He says, I know it's so easy for you to curse that leader, that politician, but you were rescued and redeemed and bought with the blood of Christ, and your words now are to not curse people, but to bless people. Bless people who've been created in my image to see past the smokescreen of their abuse and misuse of authority and power and say, I'm going to love my sinful coach, my sinful teacher, my dope politician. I'm going to love them and I'm not going to slander them and I'm not going to gossip against them. I'm not going to cause disunity. God's been merciful to you so that you can be merciful to other people. And the last reason we obey and submit to authority is Jesus subjected himself and obeyed those in authority over him. I mean, think of Jesus. When he comes to earth, he's perfect. But he lived under the roof of an imperfect father and mother. Like Jesus is perfect and he has to submit and obey an imperfect father, an imperfect mother. Jesus had to submit to imperfect teachers 
who were wrong. I kind of picture Jesus as a linebacker. And like on the football team, he had, to, he had to submit himself to an imperfect football coach, an imperfect boss in the carpenter shop. He had to submit himself to imperfect religious leaders. He had to submit himself to imperfect politicians who sentenced him to death. He submitted himself to God's system of authority and submitted himself to imperfect people around them and was so understanding of people's sin that even in the midst of his abuse on the cross, he looks across the people that have abused him and sentenced him to death and nailed him to a cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. He was merciful even to the unjust rulers around him. And if Jesus can do that, if Jesus would entrust himself to judge people that were misjudging him and subjected himself to sinful authority structures, then we can do. And you go, but not my boss. You don't know my boss, right? Like you don't know my president. You don't know the politician. You don't know my abusive husband. You don't know the board member that I have to answer to. You don't understand. And we give all kinds of excuses. And I know because I do it. Like we give all kinds of excuses where this Bible teaching doesn't apply to my circumstances. And yet Paul says, remind the people to subject, to subject themselves to rulers and authorities and to obey them. No caveats, none. Actually, he sort of puts an exclamation point in verse eight. He says, Titus, I want you to stress these things so that those who trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. What things? Submitting ourselves to people in authority is excellent and profitable, no caveat, full stop. But we don't like that, right? Because if I don't respect you, I'm not listening to you. And God's like, that's not the system I set up. And we make all kinds of excuses of why this teaching in the Bible doesn't apply to me and my circumstance. Maybe it's time for you and me as followers of Jesus to actually submit ourselves to God. See, one of the reasons we don't like submitting to people is because we don't like submitting to God. God's like, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to me and know that my design for your life is better than your design for your life. You have a hard time submitting to me. You wonder why you have a hard time submitting to other people? Let's get this order right. I'm gonna submit to you first, God, and then I will submit to people. And the first thing that means is when I don't agree with your system, when I don't agree with your teaching, I'm gonna say yes to it and stop the excuses of why I can't. I'm going to do what you say. And your word says, submit to those in authority over you, full stop, no caveats. It's good for you. Oh gosh, I don't want to do that, right? This is hard, but we can bring this honesty to the Bible. This is what the Bible teaches. And maybe it's time to stop the excuses and all the reasons why we can't and say, God, this is what your word teaches. This is my design. I'm going to follow you. And if that is you today and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to listen. What does this mean? How do I do it? Here's a couple of things of how. We subject ourselves and obey those in authority over us with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right? So like the command of God is going to give us things to do that we can't accomplish by myself. 
Like I can't look at my politicians. I can't look at some of the people in board positions. I can't look at people in leadership spots and I can't respect them. I just can't in my flesh because I look at them and I go, you're an abuser of power. You're a narcissist. You don't deserve my respect. And yet with the Spirit's help, I can obey what God commands me. He will never command you to do something that he won't help you to do by his Spirit's power. And so you take this command and you say, this is your command, God, and so I will do it. And you know what happens as we look at Jesus, right? Look at Jesus, and Jesus did this. Like Jesus obeyed and submitted himself to authorities that didn't deserve to be obeyed and submitted to. And we go, well, he was God, and that gets us off the hook. Yeah, he was God, but he actually didn't use his God card to do it. Like every situation he found himself in, the Bible says he set aside the ability to use his attributes and divine nature and submitted himself to the spirit of God. And that's how he obeyed sinful parents and a bad football coach. That's how he did it, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the spirit of God lives inside of you. Jesus counted on the spirit of God to help him. The spirit of God can help you. Do what you can't do on your own. You can't stop slandering your boss or that politician, but God can help you. You can't follow that boss or that politician, but God can help you if you would stop and go, this is your plan and purpose. Your spirit can help me. And here's what the spirit of God's going to do. The spirit of God, as you submit to him, will grow the character of Christ in you. Right? And so the beginning of this Titus letter, we talked about how growing as a credible Christian means that the truth leads to godliness. How am I going to become more godlike? It's impossible. I can't do it myself, but he can do it in me. He can make me more like Jesus. His spirit can help me. Many of us heard of the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. We've all tried to modify our behavior and go, this year, I'm going to be more joyful. My word of the year is patience. <laughs> like it never works. It doesn't work. But the spirit of the living God can help you to become joyful and patient and self-control. Another New Year's resolution, it's not working, it's June, and you're still not joyful, right? And so what you do, you ask the spirit of the living God to help grow on you the fruit of the spirit so that you can become more like Christ. He will do it in you if you keep humble and surrender to him and stop fighting the truth. Spirit of God Grow in me the character of Christ. Help me to stop making excuses of why I bashed this person or that leader. Help me to be a part of the solution, not the problem. And you submit yourself to God's design and his spirit, and he'll begin to grow the character of Christ in you. But the spirit of God will also give you wisdom. He'll grow the character of Christ in you, but also give you wisdom to speak up and the courage to walk away from sinful authority structures, right? And so God has put all authority structures in this world. He established them. And so as followers of Christ that are credible, God lives in me. And so I want to walk in that authority and under that authority, trusting that God can do all things through even sinful, broken systems. And then he's going to grow the character of Christ in me as I do that. And the character of Christ, at times, the wisdom of Christ is going to teach me when to speak up and say something is wrong. 
Speak up in a way that's not divisive. Speak up in a way that's gentle and full of grace and truth. Speak up in a way that's courageous to say, this is wrong. This is out of whack. This doesn't honor God, but not in a way that's divisive, angry, hatred, maligning. No, the Spirit of Christ can help me also find times and places when I just have to get out of the system. There's a time and a place to say, this is wrong and speak up. And the wisdom of Christ can lead you to the point where you go, I need to get out of this system. This isn't right. This is wrong. But I can do all of that as I walk with Jesus, not in an angry outburst, not following a feeling. God, you have given authorities and structures in this world. I want to walk in that. I want to show the world that you're alive by how I live under this dope boss who's incompetent. I'm not going to undermine them. Grow in me, patience. Help me to be merciful. Help me to show them that Jesus is alive. And then give me the courage if I should speak up. And give me the courage if I should leave and go somewhere else. All of that can be done walking with Jesus in a way that puts on display God is alive in you, making you a credible Christian. So a number of years ago, probably 25 years ago, I was working for uh, a senior pastor. I was a youth pastor. I was working with teenagers and working for this senior pastor. And I thought he was an absolute dope. Um, am I allowed to say that? I hope he's not watching, but if he is, he probably knows who he is. Um, <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because we very quickly in my, in my opportunity to work with this guy, um, I realized that he and I were very different, super different. And how he saw ministry and how he saw life was completely different than how I saw ministry and how life. It wasn't necessarily, I don't know, it was just, it was really difficult because when I asked him why he did things the way he did, he said, I love God, I love the Bible, but I don't like people. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I see that. I can tell. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed that pretty quick. So the first six months, I noticed that he just doesn't like me and like people. And he's kind of like edgy and mean and short and can just kind of be, I don't know, harsh with people. And so I'm like, How, what am I going to do? He's the boss. I'm young. I relocated my family. I have kids to feed. Like, what am I going to do? I love the teenagers that I'm working with, but I don't like this situation and circumstance. What am I going to do? And it's like my wife and I just decide, like, we just we just have to stay. This is where God put us. He's made it very clear this is where you're supposed to be. And so we just decided, like, we're not going to be a part of the problem. We're not going to cause dissension. We're not going to cause disunity. We're going to submit and stay under this situation and circumstances as long as God wants us to be here. And we're not going to fight. And those were three and a half really hard years. Because people in the congregation would come up to us and say things like, hey, why is this happening? And I wanted to say, because the pastor's a dope. Like, he doesn't like you. That's why it's happening. But I couldn't. I could say, oh, God bless you, brother. I don't know what I said, but I didn't say, I didn't say he was a dope. And I did honestly, not perfectly, but I did my best. My wife, we did our best to not undermine him and stay faithful to the task that God, and with his help, God was able to grow in me things through that season. Because if you didn't notice, I'm a pretty strong personality and I don't really like following people I don't respect. But God taught me through that 
how to yield to him and trust his authority, that God didn't make a mistake in bringing us to that space. And there were lives and relationships that I met there that I'll have forever. And he taught me things about yielding to him in the face of difficulty. Um, here's how it ended. I knew at some point I wouldn't be able to follow him anymore. And a situation came where he asked me to do something. It wasn't sinful or illegal or any of that jazz. But I said to him, I looked him in the eyes and said, what you're asking me to do is going to literally kill me. Like physically, spiritually, emotionally, it's just gonna, he's like, yeah, but it's what you have to do. And guess what? I did it. I did what he asked me to do. And that was the day I started to look for a new job. And three months later, I was gone, right? And it's like, there is a time and place, especially among some of us stronger-willed people, where you just have to wear the harness and yield, even when it's difficult, even when you don't like it, even when it runs up against everything you are, if it's not evil and not downright sinful, then you just say, okay, God, this is where you put me. And, I'm, and like, I learned some incredible things during that season, one of the which was how not to be a pastor. And like, that was really helpful. Like, you, if you're gonna do this, you better love God and love people, right? It's a part of who we are and what we do. At the end of the day, God says there's authority structures in your life. He doesn't say the good or bad. There's just authority structures in your life that you're to learn to obey and submit to. That means there are politicians that you respect and don't respect. The Bible says don't slander or gossip. Obey and follow. There are law enforcement and code enforcement agents. Submit and obey and follow. There are pastors and preachers and counselors and mentors and board members, parents. There are all kinds of people in our lives that we don't get to make the excuse, no, I won't follow them. God says, no, this is profitable and good for you at all times. Would you stop making excuses and surrender to me and the authority that I've placed in your life? Good or bad, respectful or not respectful, and we, so we kind of look at this question, how and why? Why should we do this? Why subject ourselves? Because we trust ourselves to a God that's bigger than every situation and that he promises to make good things even out of evil and injustice, that he has good things planned. We, we do this, we subject ourselves because God has been merciful to us. Therefore, we're to show everyone mercy, including leaders who are misusing their authority. And because Jesus did it, we don't have an excuse because you look at what Christ did and there was every situation in Crossroads. He was able to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit and the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives inside you, son or daughter of the Most High. You can do this with his help, not on your own, not with a New Year's resolution. With his help, you can do this. And that doesn't mean there won't be moments that he gives you wisdom to speak up but you can do the speaking up even in a gentle way, full of grace and truth. And that doesn't mean there won't be moments where it's time to get out, move out, change your job or your circumstance. Now, this deals with 99.9% .9 of us, but there's some that are listening or watching. You're in such an incredibly toxic situation that I wanna talk to you for just a half a second. That some of you are being abused and mistreated, and you've lived under the guise, especially some wives, that you're supposed to submit to your husbands, but you are not a punching bag. And so, get safe. 
Be smart. God's spirit says, be free. You are created in the image of God. None of you or us are punching bags. None of this says you just let that happen because I'm supposed to submit to the authority. Like, no. Some of you are in toxic work situations, really, really bad. You're in a toxic church situation, really, really bad. God's spirit will give you the ability to speak up, but also walk away and leave that situation because you're not a punching bag. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God created in his image. You can be someone who lives under authority, but there's a line that gets crossed that you go, you know what? I need to get safe. I need to get out. Here's how Paul ends this section. In verse eight, he says, I want to stress these things. So it's like, Titus, I'm not messing around here. I want you to stress these things that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. I mean, this is God's design for you and me to live under authority, not based on whether I respect it, but because of how he created the world and he's entrusted the world to leaders, some leaders botch it. It's okay. This is what's profitable to you. So let me invite you to stop the excuses of why you can't. For 99.9%, there's no excuses. You just have to do it. It's what God has for you. And when you do it, you will see it is profitable and good for you. And God will use you in this world to put on display the fact that he's alive. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for the opportunity to dive into your word. This is hard. This isn't easy. But you brought us to church today to fill our hope tank and to remind us of what is true, even if it's hard. All of us are under authority. All of us have to submit to someone. And the people that we submit to sometimes are respectful and competent and sometimes not. But your word is clear, God. And so may we submit to you and follow your design and in doing so, teach us to submit to others and those in authority over us. Lord, you can handle our um, anger and our frustration. So may we bring our frustration to you about submitting to dope leaders and jerks. But at the end of the day, not my will, but yours be done. So may we stop the excuses and submit to your spirit and see that this is profitable and good and that your spirit will help us to become more like Jesus. And in doing this, we'll show the world that you're alive. This is your design for sons and daughters. And thank you for the promise that nothing can separate us from your love, not trouble or hardship, famine or injustice, nothing can separate us, and that you will do good for all people in this world through the systems and circumstances of our lives. You're so big. God, for my friends in this place who are listening to me right now online, who are in a toxic, destructive, unsafe space, I pray you'd give them the courage, whisper to them their value, help them to know they're no punching bag, Help them to get safe. Thank you that you promised to protect and provide for us in every and every situation. And so even if we have to leave a job or leave a relationship, you won't let us go. You'll always stay by our side. You'll provide for us. 
and protect us. Give us the courage. Give my friends the courage today to walk safe and to be safe in the midst of a toxic situation. Thank you that we can count on you in all things. We love you. We trust you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.